Welcome back. Week three, stupid versus the spread. We are in week three college football. Uh, pretty, pretty darn good past week. Uh, we're going to break down some, some fun little storylines, uh, maybe one or two that's not so fun. Uh, and then we'll uh, start to push through to a week slate for this week. Let's call it what it is. Uh, if you haven't taken a look, not that many games this week that really stand out. So we're going to cover some ones we think will be good, but maybe some ones you're not uh, accustomed to hear us talking about, which should be fun too. Uh, I'll start off with my number one storyline. And this is very quick, but suspending Harbaugh from football feels like cruel and unusual punishment. For those of you who didn't watch or see, Harbaugh was on his kid's sideline working the change and mowed the field that the kids were playing on both before and after the game. I don't know if you saw that, Mike, but the man I, needs football. Yeah, I saw the story. Um, I mean, he's the Pablo Escobar meme. Like, he's, the, <laughs> he's the guy from... Uh, yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy from Narcos who's just like on the swing set uh, and like sitting next to an empty pool, losing his mind. Yeah, that's Harbaugh. The only thing he knows how to do is football. Without football, he'd die. I feel so bad. Oh, and I'm I'm excited to see him. I believe his suspension is up after this week, so hopefully nothing horrid has happened where he is uh, bored to death, quite literally, this week. But. Um... We had a couple other good storylines. Uh, Rice-Houston was a great game. Uh, kind of didn't get a lot of notice uh, early on, but um, was pleasantly surprised with how that game turned out. That was, that was double overtime. Rice actually came back, or Houston came back originally uh, down 28, I believe, if memory serves. There were a couple beers involved. Uh, and then Rice uh, pushed through the double overtime, took it took it away. Um that was a fun one if you didn't watch. That's why college football is great, because you could turn on a late-night game, and as long as you're aware of what scores are, you can catch a good one at any point. Yeah, that game was dead for three quarters. Yeah, like it was Houston, I mean, right, it was a blowout. Houston Rice had nothing. To, to get back into it. Uh, did they get an onside kick or something? Like they, they, had, they got a turnover late to get the ball back. I don't, I don't recall an onside kick, I'll be honest with you. But it was a great game. Um it, I believe it's supposed to be the last matchup between the two teams for a while because of Houston's transition to the Power Five. I want to be very clear here. Inner city, interstate rivalries need to continue post like transformations of anything. Pac-12, I don't care. Like If you have a rivalry with a team, you owe it to college football fans to continue that rivalry. I don't care that week two you could schedule South Alabama. Like You need to schedule the teams that keep those rivalries alive, and, and I hope we continue to do that. Um, yeah, App State UNC is dumb. Yeah, exactly. And for those of you who don't remember, I mean, last week's game was incredible. I mean, you were sweating quite a bit. And, uh, you know, the year before, App State UNC, App State had uh, – was that the walk-off, the, the game after no, the walk-off? No, that, that was two weeks after. Uh, that was because yeah. App State lost to – it was 63-61, I believe, in four overtimes. Or something crazy like that. Yeah, um, exactly. UNC, yeah. And then uh, the week after UNC went, or sorry, um, App State went to Texas A&M, beat Texas A&M, then came home and played one of their fun belt opponents. And that was when they hit the walk-off. That was the walk-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a great, that was so fun. That was such a great little stretch for App State too. Anyway, uh, so we need to continue these, these in-state rivalries. Uh, in less great news, 
uh, head coach uh, Mel Tucker of uh, Michigan State has been suspended uh, amid Title Nine uh, related allegations. We're not going to hash those out, but it's just despite, something. Despite his contention that it's not Title Nine, uh, spoiler, spoiler alert: it is Title Nine. Yeah, Title um, Nine is yeah, what we call any, the law. For anyone, for anyone who was misled by. Uh, by Mel Tucker saying that his Title IX hearing is not a Title IX hearing. It is a Title IX hearing. <laughs> he, can, he can yell and stamp his feet about it all he wants. It's a Title IX hearing. Yeah. So we're, we're not the podcast to get into Title IX hearings. Uh, if you want to read up, go to other articles and stuff to read about it. But it, uh, yeah. So something to be aware of when betting this, this week possibly is that the head coach of Michigan State is not coaching, and the program might be in a little bit of turmoil uh, because of it. Uh, bigger news, Texas is back. Mike, I'll let you kind of touch uh, on this first, and then we'll kind of swing it around to our second topic there. But, uh, I mean, first of all, great game. Second of all, Texas played their asses off. Third, I, I think what surprised me the most was that I expected if Texas won, and I didn't think they would because of how many people were high on Alabama this year, that at least it would be like a drag down, you know, knuckly brawl, Texas scores in the last minute to go ahead and Alabama can't come back after that. And it wasn't. Uh, I think pretty handedly, Texas, especially in that second half, showed us the team they are fully capable of being. Yeah, I think, like, I've listened to a bunch of people, obviously, you know, I combine with what I see, I'm sure you do, with my own two eyeballs by listening to some leading animal analysts. We've heard, you know, we've mentioned a bunch of Andy Staples, Tom Fernelli, and the Cover 3 podcast guys do a great job. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but trying to combine and synthesize with what I saw, with some of their thoughts, I think what I walked away from this game taking is that Texas looked like the team that was supposed to win, which was incredibly and nobody said that like and i say that because like everybody else was impressed you know everybody's been impressed with how texas seemed more composed and they don't you know they they played very well up front and they were mm-hmm. they always took they took every punch on the chin and came right back and like after the jalen milrow bomb which was a bomb it was a yes. beautiful throw beautiful throw. Um, texas scored their the responding touchdown i think within four plays and a minute and a half um like te- it was, you blinked and Texas was back in the end zone already. Um, and, but I think all of that ra- winds its way around to just Texas approached this game and maybe they didn't approach this game, but the way that they played this game certainly made it seem like they were the team that believed that they were better on the field than they were supposed to win. And Alabama just didn't play. And maybe it's because Alabama got behind early and that wasn't the game plan and Jalen Miller is not really the guy to lead you from behind because he's just too prone to making backbreaking mistakes. Yeah. Um, but Texas really did seem like they were just the, the team that mentally believed that they were going to win that game the whole time. And, and Quinn Ewers was fantastic. Um, their receivers are the real deal. Their offensive line played really well. Um, and their defensive line was disruptive all night. Didn't allow Alabama to really get their running game going, which is what I think most people expected to happen, that Alabama was going to be able to to control the clock and dominate and slow the game down running the football. And besides Jalen Milrow sort of making things happen with his legs, they their running game, their design runs were just not going anywhere. And I think that's 
that's really a testament to Texas's, you know, the, the talent that they have, the talent they, that they've really developed because Sark hasn't been there that long. They haven't been recruiting in the top, you know, five, 10, you know, recruiting classes. It, it's been, a, they've been selective in the portal. They've gotten some key five stars. Anthony Hill was fantastic in that game. Um, but more than anything, they've just developed talent. And, and I think, are they back? Maybe. Um, we'll, we'll see. They, the issue with Texas hasn't necessarily been being competitive in these huge games. It's been how have they gotten through the Pac-12 – or sorry, not the Pac-12, the Big 12 schedule as it presents itself to them every year because they mm-hmm. play – they find ways to be competitive in some of these games and to to acquit themselves well, and then they just – they go out and lay an egg against Texas Tech, against Kansas, against, you know, teams that they are – way more talented than they're supposed to be, they will lose to. So we'll see what happens moving forward here, you know, because that's the that's the the part of their schedule that I think most people are interested in seeing how they manage. Um, but, but a very big statement from Sark and his guys and a very professional performance on the road in a very hostile environment. Like, because not – they didn't lose that game because of the environment, Brian Denny, or, or for a lack of trying. Alabama was was rocking. And Texas just walked in there and found a way to win that game. And not really found, like believed and and just did what they thought they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't disagree. And, and I think I don't think there was really a point in any part of that game where I thought Alabama looked like the team that people described them to be this year, yeah. especially a lot of people who were super high on Alabama. I think what also in regards to Texas, because we're going to talk about the SEC West here in a second. I I agree with your statement on how Texas has handled themselves. I mean, you look like at last year's, you know, they barely escape. They they almost escape with a victory over Alabama last year, but then they go on to lose to Texas Tech. They lost to TCU who went to the college football playoffs and, and got to the championship game. So I'm not going to dog them for that, but <clears throat> excuse me. But Kansas State played them real tough. They lost in a bowl game to Washington. Like it seems like at times they have these games where they should be better and they're just not. Um, and I think if you look at this week's schedule, if I'm a Texas fan, uh, I might be a little worried because you know you you're kind of in a look ahead, and we'll talk about this later when we talk about bets. But you know, Texas is kind of in a look-ahead between right now this week's Wyoming game and looking ahead to Baylor, who's an in-state rival, and then you got Oklahoma in two weeks, and Kansas is in a walk in the park the week before that. So, uh, you know. No, Kansas I think they're... dominated Illinois. Jalen yeah. Daniels is the real deal. If they don't wake up for that game, they are going to lose it. Uh, yeah, we'll, and that's we'll sandwich later, between, yeah. Yeah, that's sandwich between Baylor and Oklahoma. That's not easy. Uh, on the flip side, though, for Alabama – if you look at the SEC West, I think the three best teams or the teams that, that people thought would be the three best, Alabama, LSU, and and you would argue A&M. I know there's a lot of people that say, ah, oh, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Auburn, whatever. I think a lot of people had high expectations for A&M, and now we're looking at uh, those three teams, Alabama, LSU, A&M, and the bottom of the standings in the West. Who do you think comes out of the West on top? Like, is someone running the table and asserting their dominance or, or is Texas maybe cause it's, you know, Texas, uh, I'm sorry, Alabama, LSU later in the season. But like, who do you think comes out on top in the West? 
I mean, I still think Bama is the perennial contender. I, maybe I don't even know about not perennial, but like I I look at it as I still think Bama didn't embarrass themselves or let that game get away in a way that like LSU did against Florida State. Now, granted, Florida State was playing a hypothetically neutral site game, but essentially a road game, um, and Alabama was playing at home. But you know, both I, I think. I think you would say Alabama and LSU are still at the top. Texas A&M has some real well, – we can talk about that um, – some real issues. Um, some real Jimbos. Well, it's more just like program-wise. I don't even know if yeah. it's anything on the field at this point. Like Texas A&M just has like a crisis of confidence, some sort of like, like Ouija board-esque curse that they cannot lift, and they are stuck in a rut like a disgruntled, like middle-aged – suburban household dad um like they they have some serious internal strife mm-hmm. um but there even the rest like Ar- arkansas might be decent but we don't really know because they haven't played anybody yet um auburn didn't look good against cal mississippi state looked bad against arizona um like that 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 side of the conference which is normally top to bottom the Ole miss did not like played a backup quarterback against Tulane and was lucky to win that game. Um, yeah. I mean, so like, that final score was not reflective of the competition that Mississippi State had to overcome in that game. Yeah. So up and I mean, up and down the board, you look at the West and every team has significant question marks. And, and that's where I go back to, I think Alabama has to be looking at the rest of their, um, I, I mean, they do get Tennessee, which is not easy. So there's, there's a nope. chance they win the West with three losses, but. Or sorry, with um, two losses going into the SEC championship game, finished the season with three losses. Um, but I, I just nobody has been consistent. Like I need to see LSU do it against somebody who I respect as an opponent um, for me to to buy in and say that they can topple Alabama with the way that they played against Florida State. Um, because I, like they and you can make the same argument for Alabama. They had all off season to prepare for Texas. I just think Texas was probably the better team that night and, and is probably the better team overall. Um, LSU just didn't execute at all, the, really the whole game, but very much in the second half. I also think Florida State's a little better than people think, or at least we thought back then. Yeah. Like, there, I mean, there's a chance. There, there is a world where Florida State is in, in the playoffs this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, they. I mean, if they, they had a, a true letdown spot, against Southern Miss and they handled, they didn't play particularly well and still dominated Southern Miss. So you're right. Um, it could be, we'll see. I, um, but overall, yeah, I, I think in the West, I think Alabama is still probably the most stable and the best team. LSU probably is the highest ceiling just because if, uh, Jaden Daniels doesn't do the bonehead things that he does normally, like they can be really good. Um, and they probably have better skill position players. And, a, and maybe a better defensive line because, I, I mean, Harold Perkins is good. So is Dallas Turner. But I think that up the middle with Mason Smith back, LSU is probably the better team um, mm. with him and Wingo. Um, but the secondary is a problem. But then again, Alabama secondary did not look very good, even with McKinstry. McKinstry got burnt on a couple plays. I think Alabama had like nine penalties. Like just not a – it was not a saving performance at home. Yeah, there's like, I think the SEC overall is down because like Joe Milton has played okay, but they 
I mean, they only scored 31 against Austin P. Shout out the other Mike Diliello playing quarterback for Austin P. Um, but I don't know if you did you know that? I did I did not actually. That's kind of funny. The quarterback's um, name for uh Austin P is Mike Diliello. Um, it's, it's gotta be a long lost relative. I just don't like, I, I, I found this out like five years ago when I started getting followed by a number of offensive assistants, um, (laughs) like in the Southeast. And I was like, what is going on here? And then like somebody DM me about like high, high school football. And I was like, and I figured it out. Um, yeah. So there's, there is a Mike Diliello playing quarterback at the FCS level. Um, (laughs) It's kind of funny, actually. But no, I yeah, to, I, I still think Bama's in the driver's seat. I think that that Alabama-LSU game is – we'll see what happens between now and then, but that game is going to be very interesting depending on who's playing quarterback for Alabama and whether or not LSU figures out how to not be so weird. Because they're also like – Brian Kelly is doing Brian Kelly things with the media and like the there's a chance that the wheels – like some, some lackluster performances and not the wheels come off at LSU, but it gets a little bit dicey. There are high expectations for that program because every, you know, every couple years, and not not like Alabama or Georgia, but every couple of years they win a championship, and I think that every, expectation. I mean, all, all three of their previous coaches. Previous coaches, out. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's fair. let. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I do. I do think Alabama probably is the best position to take that the West still. Uh, although I. I I saw some things from, you know, and maybe we have an Arkansas year again, like two years ago where they go on a tear and you're like, Oh, they're a little better than we thought, but who it should be interesting. I I agree though. I think Alabama is probably still the best positioned, especially if they beat up on LSU or, you know, and then you got to play Georgia in the SEC championship game. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I think that Tennessee game will be a real gut check for him though. I'm interested. Uh, let's move on to our games. Uh, once again, if you haven't heard the podcast before, we pick what we think will be the five best games in college football of the week. We talk about the lines, talk about the over-unders, give our picks, uh, and just genuinely make you aware of probably what will be the best games of the week. So we'll start off, uh, as we always do, with the noontime slot. Uh, probably one of the few games in the noontime slot worth watching. Um We've talked about it a little bit, but there's not many marquee games this week. Um, but we'll start off with Kansas State at Missouri at noon on Sunday. Line opened up at Kansas State minus one, but quickly jumped to minus four and a half. Uh, over under is 48 and a half. Mike, talk me through this game. Do you have any picks, first of all, and then what you think might happen here? I do. I will get to it. Um Mizzou got a scare last week playing Middle Tennessee State. Um, they played them at home. Middle Tennessee coming off, obviously, their warm-up against Alabama. Um, so maybe this was just like a Missouri. Missouri, I think, first week played like Sanford or some FCS school um, and then played Middle Tennessee State and barely beat them. Uh, final score was like 23-19. Um Missouri's always sneaky, and that's a tough place to play games at Missouri. Missouri always finds it. They pick something, or they come really – they never do. I'll say that. They never pick a team off, but they always come really close. Usually it's Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for somehow. Some, for some stupid reason, Eli Drinkwitz has Kirby Smart's number, and if he just had, like, 
any talent, he would win these games. Um, <laughs> but uh, Kansas State has been really uh, like without Deuce Vaughn, obviously this year. We we both were very high on Kansas State. They were my sleeper team to win the Big Twelve. Um, they haven't been able to run the football as consistently as they were with Deuce Vaughn last year. It has not mattered. Will Howard has been terrific, and they have scored forty-two or more um, in their first two games. Granted, two pretty marginal opponents, um, but they have been they've done what they are supposed to do and more uh, to start the season. Um, the line movement is indicative that everybody thinks Kansas State uh, and they beat Troy 42-13, which Troy's not terrible. Um, no, no, they're not. And then, uh, and then they beat Southeast Missouri uh, 45-0. Um, to me, I, I I like Kansas State a lot in this spot. Um, my problem is that I am afraid of that Missouri environment. I don't know what it is, but Columbia does things to people. Um, not untrue. So I am going to stay away. And when I go to Virginia later this week to place my legal wagers, um, I will be taking the over here. Uh, over, I, I've seen somewhere between 48, 48 and a half. I like the over. Um, like I said, Kansas State has put up 40 or more in the first two games on their own. Um, Missouri's defense is not vaunted. It's usually pretty good, but not vaunted. Um, but Missouri's going to score points on their own. You At 48, you need both teams to get to 24 or somebody to dominate this game. I think you can get there. Um, early window game, 11 a.m. kick in the central time zone. This game has the potential to get squirrely. Uh, there should be no, uh, hopefully no weather concerns. Um, but I don't uh, see any. I think it's supposed to be like 70 degrees, no chance of rain. Yeah, so give me, give me the over here. I think points. I think Kansas State wins this game. I do think they cover, too. Um, it's just like I said, uh, I stay away from the number or from the spread here just because weird things happen in Columbia. So just give me the points and, and hopefully we get a shootout. Um, but this should be this, I, I think, will be the most fun game of the 12 o'clock window. Um, because on a, on a relatively weak slate, you know, there's some like Penn State and Illinois. Illinois might be back to what we think they're norm, they normally are. They got smoked by Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then otherwise, like LSU Mississippi State is the marquee quote unquote game, um, but I like this matchup better. I think this is going to be way more fun. I think this is being a great one too. I I don't ha- I don't really have a pick. I lean Kansas State minus five. Uh, Kansas State great offensive line. Uh, they protect the ball well. You know they're smart when they're on offense. They know how to kind of like keep keep bleeding you dry on offense. Um, and for the Tigers, I, I'm i not entirely sold on Brady Cook, uh, quarterback Brady Cook. I think he played really horribly last year in the same spot. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Kansas State beat Missouri 40-22 to last year. Um, so maybe maybe this is a circle it on your calendar, make up for the mistake kind of thing. But I think Kansas State's a very good team, and I think we're going to see some interesting uh, – Interesting play calls. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was kept much closer than last time. Um, but I don't inherently know that the Tigers have gotten that much better compared to Kansas State, who I think have kind of improved a lot. Um, and, I mean, maybe – look, I don't I don't know if Coach Dinkwitz, Dinkwitz? Dinkwitz? Uh, uh, from Missouri is – he might be – 
starting to sound like he's on the hot seat maybe a little bit. So maybe this is a, hey, you got to come out for your for your coach and play your ass off. But I, I think Kansas State takes this kind of handedly probably by the end. So give me Kansas State uh, minus five on the lean. Um, but I'll probably I'll probably take it as as game time starts to roll up. Uh, Luther Burden is a name that will pop up in NFL draft circles. Um, if not, it, I think he's a true sophomore, so that would be next year. Uh, former five star, one of the most coveted recruits in the country, coming out. Um, has he had ninety six in the first game with a touchdown, one hundred and seventeen against Middle Tennessee State. Um, He's electric. So if you're looking for a guy to watch in this game as far as star power, Will Howard, obviously, and, and you mentioned the Kansas State offensive line, but Luther Burden from Missouri is a, a very good football player. And what position does he play, Michael? Wide receiver. There you go. Uh, all right, we'll move on to our next game. Uh, we don't – I'll be honest, Mike. I, so we don't ha- – we didn't pick a game in the, like, mid-afternoon time slot. There genuinely was not – to our opinion, uh, like anything moderately close, unless you're addicted to watching Virginia Tech and Rutgers play each other. Um, there's there's a lot of matchups in the midday slots that are over 10-point spreads, um, you know, not marquee matchups between two good teams. This is typically the week that college football, you know, it lulls right before it picks back up with, with interconference play. Um, but we'll move on to the uh, 7 p.m. time slot. So Tennessee at Florida, a SEC matchup. Tennessee is six and a half point favorites over under is 58 and a half. Um, Mike, what are your thoughts on Tennessee, Florida? I know it's probably not the best matchup since Florida kind of stinky a little bit, maybe, but uh, they are getting seven, essentially six and a half, seven points. Uh, against another SEC team at home. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be – this is going to tell us more about, I think, Florida than probably Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee has been, has been consistent. Because, um, like, at this point, you know, from a, from a handicapper perspective, you're trying to get a read on, on what's real and what isn't. I, I think – Going back to some of the performances last week, that was what we were interested in seeing about Notre Dame and Miami and some of the other teams that that really showed up and impressed was like, are these teams what we think they could be or are they just playing soft competition? Um, Mm -hmm. We obviously saw Florida go on the road at Utah um, and embarrass themselves. Um, So uh, this this game they get at home, it's a rivalry game. People care. Um, Florida likes to pretend that they don't care about playing Tennessee. They do. Um, they, they like to pretend they don't care when they're killing them. Um, when they're not, they get very upset. Um, so I, this game will be interesting to see if Florida has figured anything out. Uh, And I mean, obviously last, last week they dominated McNeese state. Um, but to see what they have figured out and, I'm sure they will have recruits at this game. This is a big game for Florida to avoid this season really spiraling in a direction that could jeopardize what Billy Napier is doing as far as program building goes. Um, mm-hmm. it, like Tennessee, Tennessee should win this game um, and probably will. I, I think Tennessee will probably win this game. I think they might win it by two scores. Um, 
just because they have, I think, a quarterback who can score more. They have a better offense. Um, and I think they probably have a better defense, to be honest. Um, the Swamp is a hard place to play. This will be a night game. This will be the featured game. I'm sure that Florida fans will be up for this one. Um, but this could be a situation where Florida struggles early again. The crowd could start to turn on Willie Napier. Um, and it could be indicative for the, of the rest, the way the rest of the season is going to go. So um, I don't have a pick here just because I don't know what's going to happen. Florida tends to perform in some of these spots. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think back to Bryce Young's Heisman season when Bama went down to Florida and had a really tough time against a very not talented Florida team. Um, besides like Damian Pierce, uh, no, nobody on that team was, I mean, Richardson was on that team, but Emory Jones played most of that game. Um, which is crazy because Emory Jones now plays for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, but, (laughs) uh, but but, yeah, (laughs) Emory Jones plays for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Anthony Richardson plays for the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, Dan Mullen started Emory Jones over Anthony Richardson. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, the, the point is, uh, I, I, this, there's just too much variance in this game. Too many varied outcomes. I don't even know to, like what to do with the total here, uh, which I believe is sitting right 58 and a half. Yeah. That, feels, that feels rich for Florida against Tennessee, but, it, but Tennessee also only scored 31 against Austin Peay. I this is one of those stay away and and watch it from afar and just take away what you can take away from it. But I I think these lines are too too subject to too much a wide array of outcomes that you can't really know first or feel really confident on one side or other, or the other or both the spread and the total. Yeah, I, I I would say I I definitely don't have a play here. I'm very excited for this game. I think this is truly a for like a good first test of how good is Tennessee? Because if Tennessee is that good, they beat the crap out of Florida. Uh, and for Florida, this is like a, you know, we cannot get crushed here kind of game. Uh, I see 66% of the bet slips on Tennessee, but uh, even money split, which means some sharps are on Florida. So if I had a play, I would probably just follow that trend and stick with some of the sharps. Um, but I don't like this game. I, I don't know Billy Napier. Like, it's going to be tough to survive, not physically, but survive a couple weeks of being reminded you got your ass kicked by Tennessee. And everything I've seen in the news where they're doing interviews um, with players from Tennessee and stuff, they're, they're talking, they're like, we're not taking this game lightly. This is an SEC matchup. You know, we're not, we're not, we're putting our best foot forward. So I don't think anyone is of the opinion that this won't be the biggest, one of the biggest games of the week, maybe the toughest. I, I also lean the under just because typically these like in conference rivals, essentially uh, don't always score a lot of points against each other. And, and I think, you know, you could look at trends and say, ah, Tennessee, you know, they're a, they're a good team, but they haven't really put up too many points like you were talking about. Um, I, I know they put up 49, but that was against UVA this year, and they only put up against 30 against Austin Pete. So, like, if the over-under's essentially, what, 58.5, we said, do you yeah, think so Florida's like going to match that energy? Yeah. Like, Tennessee Tennessee might have to get, like, yeah, something yeah. like that. 
So I, I'm not a fan, uh, you know, in Florida, watching Florida play a good team in Utah at granted at Utah. Right. But they got smoked. I mean, that was kind of embarrassing. Um, so I, I'll go with, uh, leaning the under and, and leaning uh, Gators with the points. But I, I also don't have a play for this one. I think this is going to be one of those ones where you'll have it on the TV because it's the best game of the week. And, uh, you know, you might be disappointed by halftime at how one-sided this game is and you, you switch to another game. So um, still should be interesting. Maybe the Gators pull off an upset, but we'll uh, we'll see. Moving on. I, I'm Sorry, oh, no, real please. quick. No, I, I think this could be like this really could be a, a crucial inflection point for Florida because they get ten- Tennessee at home, they get Charlotte and Biff Pogey, and then they go to Kentucky at home against Vanderbilt, to South Carolina, and then they get Georgia. So it, you could look at that two different ways. You could say if you beat Tennessee and you have a huge upset, then you you ride that high, you beat Charlotte, and then you feel good about going to Kentucky, who is sort of underwhelmed, before you get Vanderbilt and South Carolina, who have been terrible. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, what started as a disaster of a season could end up with you being 6-1 and one going into the Georgia game, which would be a, a miracle compared to where we started this ride. Yeah, or, and what we think they're going to do. Yeah, or you if you get you know, not embarrassed again, but if you don't put up a respectable showing against Tennessee, you, you clean up some things against Charlotte, but then you look at Kentucky as, all right, maybe we aren't expected to win this game. Vanderbilt all of a sudden becomes, we better not lose that game. And you're thinking about that, which is not good. And then South Carolina is not a cakewalk at South Carolina who will be up for that game before you get Georgia. So there's a chance if you don't flip, if you don't beat Tennessee or if you get embarrassed by Tennessee, and you don't beat Kentucky or South Carolina. Now all of a sudden you're three and four going into Georgia, and then you finish the season with Arkansas, Florida, or LSU at Missouri, and then Florida State. Like mm. this could turn into a disaster. So it, this this really is going to be an interesting game from Florida's perspective to see, you know, what kind of resilience do they have, and can they make this competitive? I don't, I don't think they necessarily need to win because, like I said, I think that. Kentucky at Kentucky and at South Carolina are two very winnable games um, for Florida, but they need to start building some confidence that they can actually compete against teams like that because they're Florida and those two teams are Kentucky and South Carolina. And they should, it should not be a question for Florida as to whether or not they can beat those two teams. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree, man. I, I do think it could be an interesting inflection point, especially for Florida. Like, you know, very rarely in college football can your luck change just like that, but it really could be like one good game or one bad game that, that throws a you know a spoke in your a, a stick in your spoke you know and, and just mm-hmm. kills you. Um, other games in this time slot we thought were interesting. Uh, this actually might be better if you're not a fan. Uh, Pitt at West Virginia. Both teams are one and one, so hear us out. We know they're not the elite of the elite. But it's essentially a money line spread. Uh, Pitt is minus one over under fifty and a half uh, at West Virginia. Should be a seventy degree beautiful weather game. Uh, I, I guess I'll start out here. I I think West Virginia is probably not great. I think Pitt's probably a little better. They did lose to Cincy as pretty heavy favorites. I think they're going to bounce back here. Um, 
as opposed to West Virginia. I thought what I saw from West Virginia in week one against um, Penn State really made me question what has become of that program a little bit. I mean, like a, a huge like 24-point loss um, or 23-point loss to, to Penn State. Penn State dominated both sides of the ball, whereas Pitt, it kind of looked like the game at Cincy, they kept it close. They didn't, you know, come out on top, but – I wasn't I wasn't sure that Pitt was falling off a cliff after that game, whereas I think West Virginia might have already started to fall off that cliff. Granted, they played du- Duquesne, Duquesne, whatever, like, and beat them. Who cares? That you, you got a, a prestigious program like West Virginia should should be better hey, off than they that's are. Another, that's another school in Pittsburgh, um, so they have familiarity with a team from Pittsburgh coming to town. Um, <laughs> I don't Going into this game, and I don't, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> no, Duquesne is in Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not debating that. I'm saying I don't think West Virginia's advantaged. <laughs> no, it's not. Of course not. I mean, look, and and on a, on the offensive side of the ball, they're actually pretty like evenly matched based on stats. But if you do the eyeball test and you watch West Virginia, you're like, Ugh. and if you watch Pitt, you're like, oh. So uh, give me Pitt minus one here. Uh, I know I jumped in front uh, of you, typically lead off with you. But um, just to support this, 34% of the bets are on Pitt, but uh, it's about an even money split at 48%. So there are some sharps that have identified Pitt as a target to to go after. I don't like the over-under, not touching it, uh, but give me Pitt minus one. Um, This is a... To me, this is a styles make fights sort of matchup. This should be it should yeah, you're right. I think you described it perfectly in that uh this will be fun for the neutral observer. This will not be fun for if you're either party. West Virginia <laughs> fan. Um because these two like like we talked about with Tennessee and Florida, but I think on a on a more impactful scale, it, there's serious concern if you lose this game on either side. Um, Neil Brown, we talk, uh, I've been on the, I've been on the record as saying, I think he might be the first power five coach fired. I think he hasn't done anything to necessarily refute that. I thought they acquitted themselves a little better than probably the scoreline showed against Penn state. Um, I expect maybe that's just cause I expected them to get dog walked. Um, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't say that they, they got dog walked. I don't think that they were ever really in that game, but, mm. um, you know, they broke out the Andy Reid ring around the rosy play and like they they were frisky. I will say that. They they lost and they didn't cover. Um, but they were frisky. Um but I I think the it's more alarming for Pitt in a weird way because Pat Narduzzi is a really good coach. He's proven that he's a good coach time and time again. Um but they but and I say that because they don't lose games like losing to Cincinnati at home. Like that, that just doesn't yeah. happen to Pat and Arduzzi teams. So to me, that's more of a concern for a team like Pitt, where those are the games that they always win. Um, and Emory Jones is a decent quarterback, like we said. Um, so it's, I, I will be interested to see what happens here if they go on the road, because if, if Pitt loses on the road, they get North Carolina at home next week, which is a tough game for North Carolina to travel to, but Pitt, if they can't beat West Virginia and they can't stop West Virginia, they are not going to be able to stop North Carolina. 
Um, and Pitt has a good defense. They're PFF's fourth-ranked uh, or fourth-graded defense overall. 66th-graded offense. Um, conversely, West Virginia has PFF's 60th-ranked uh, offense or defense, but 33rd-ranked offense. So it's West Virginia's offense is the stronger side of their game. Pitt's defense is the stronger side of their game. Pitt's defensive line is always good. Pat Narduzzi, defensive line coach, I believe, uh, is his background. So that you would expect. Um, and Kalaji Kansi came out last year. They, they've always got talent up front. So it'll be interesting to see how this game really pans out from a neutral observer. I don't have a play here. This game could go in so many – same thing. Rivalry game, night game. To, like, I would imagine Morgantown is going to be going ballistic. Um, because I think that they have to put a ton of eggs in the basket for this game. Because, mm. you, you know, West Virginia, they get this game, then they get Texas Tech at home, then they get in the meat of their uh, Big 12 schedule. They go to TCU and Houston in back-to-back weeks. We talked about that game against Dana and the possibility that that's a uh, loser-leaves-town sort of game. Then they get, you know, Oklahoma State, UCF, BYU, Oklahoma. Like, they, all of those teams are – better than them on paper. So they've got to find wins. And I think that this, this is a spot where they've got to feel like they have a chance to win this games at home. There's going to be a lot of pressure on West Virginia to win this game. And I'm scared for whoever comes out the loser of this game because their season could go very sideways. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I also, I, I will say I might sprinkle a little same game parlay minus one pit and under 50 and a half. But we'll see. The line moved from 56 to 50. So there's really not a lot of value there. Um, should be a good matchup. It really will. And and I think I do think it'll be bumping in West Virginia. I think it'll be a fun little uh, fun game to watch, especially if, if uh, Tennessee kind of picks up like some of us think it will. Uh, there's one more 730 game that we got to talk about. Uh, BYU at Arkansas. Uh, BYU is plus eight and a half over under is 47 and a half. Uh, Razorbacks are at home. 40% chance of rain, uh, just to keep an eye on for the total. Uh, it did open at 58.5, so it's dropped a full 11 points, which is, like, wild. I haven't seen an 11-point drop in a total in a very long time. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, do you want to start off, Mike, or you want me to start off? What do you think? I can start. Um, this, hmm. I don't know what I'm going to make of this game. Because... Oh, let me make it something very clear. I think BYU stinks. I think BYU is very bad. I don't know how Arkansas is only an eight and a half point favorite. I, I figured it out. Is off next week's next week's LSU. That's why. Oh, Arkansas we're gonna look at shit. Yeah. Okay. Disregard everything I just said. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I was like, well, I was trying to make heads or tails of this line too, and I was trying to figure it out, and I just figured it out. It's it's LSU. Um, yeah, I mean, KJ Jefferson is still there. Like, the, Sam Pittman does Sam Pittman things. They're going to be good up front. They're going to run the ball. KJ mm-hmm. Jefferson will make responsible decisions. Uh, they have been fine in their first two games uh, against pretty bad competition. Only putting up 28 against a Kent State team that literally lost everybody, including their head coach, who's now OCing his way to two Heisman contenders at Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. is concerning for Arkansas. Um, 
But at the same time, BYU beat Sam Houston State, which is a newly promoted, if we want to call it that, uh, FBS team, 14 to nothing in a game that they were very much on upset alert for the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a down BYU team compared to most. Like we expect, normally we expect BYU teams to to be the more experienced, responsible team um, any given week, and they have not been that this year. Um, and this is a this is a tough environment to go to, um, and will be indicative of some of the places that they'll see in the Big Twelve um, as they go into their first year in the conference. So, um, yeah, my gut says Arkansas because I agree with you. I don't think BYU is very good. Um, but uh, that's a lean, not a play. Um, just because I don't, I we don't really know what Arkansas is. We'll find out next week. But we don't really. Know I think we'll find out this game. So, so let me clarify. Watching how BYU played against Sam Houston State, and I watched the game. I watched like ninety percent of the game. I was floored with how bad BYU looked on offense. I mean, m- miscues, discombobulated. I, I think they are the. <laughs> I might get shit on for this. I think they're the worst team, the worst two and O team right now in the Big Twelve, and and I don't inherently look at what Arkansas has as a look ahead because uh, BYU has Kansas next week and Cincy after that. Like we start, we start very difficult um, interconference play, and I don't know that I see BYU coming out of this and, you know, beating either Kentucky or Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati's not as good as they've they've shown themselves to be, but I was very, very low on BYU having watched that game. And I don't think beating up on a, you know, Southern Utah Thunder, Thunderbirds FCC uh, FCS team is is by any means you know, a, a positive. Um, and I think you're going to see big boy football from Arkansas. I think Sam Pittman is a great coach. I think they'll be well versed for this game. I think they'll be well prepared. It wouldn't shock me if this game, despite the line being eight and a half, I, I don't know how this line dropped from plus 10 to plus eight and a half BYU. I, I, I think the money should be going the other way. Very strongly, actually. So give me Arkansas minus eight and a half. I think they're a better SEC team, a better team in general. Um, I think they're also well poised if they pull this off to maybe surprise a few people. I don't know that they're absolutely going to beat LSU. Uh, they'll probably be like two touchdown dogs, but I think there's a very good chance they can go into, they could have A&M at home and beat A&M. You know, I, I think the Razorbacks, if they continue, you know, to do well, I think there's a chance they could surprise a few people. So I like the Razorbacks. Give me them minus eight and a half. I'll take the uh, take the lay in the points um, against what I think is a really really not good BYU team, who is probably also in a look ahead. If that makes sense. BYU. Yeah, yeah. Go. I, I mean, I think they're both. I think I think they're both in look aheads. I think BYU might internally not admit that they're already looking past this game as a loss to focus on interconference play. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that BYU has going for it is that Keaton Slovis is quarterbacking them, which is also insane. Um, mm. But when we talk about grad transfers, he's another one where it's like, how did, how did he end up there? Um, but, yeah, 
TJ Janos in right still. I think uh, if Arkansas puts up an impressive performance here, they do play uh, LSU, but then they get te- you were right. They get Texas A and M at home. Texas A and M goes to Arkansas the week before they get Alabama. So good luck. That's there. one that could definitely <laughs> sneak up on Texas A and M. Yeah, if absolutely. If absolutely. They're not paying attention. Yeah. And I, and I think it's a good gut check for Arkansas as they head into LSU. Like, I don't think they're inherently going to look past this because I think they're going to look at this as like a get right game before yeah. LSU. Yeah. Uh, f- yeah. Final uh, matchup we'll talk about late night matchup, Sunday night. Uh, Fresno State Bulldogs at Arizona State Sun Devils. Fresno State is minus three. They opened up at plus two and a half. So the line is flipped. Over under is 50 and a half. Um, I see a lot of money on Arizona State, 70% of the money, uh, and I see 62% of the bet slips. Mike, give me your thoughts. Uh, This is – I don't have a play here. I got burnt on Arizona State last week. I gave that one out, Um, and they they were within the number going into halftime. They came out of halftime. I fell asleep. I woke up. I checked the scores, um, and they lost with the same amount of points they entered halftime. Um, so that was, yeah. Oak state, Oak state turned it up in the second half. Yeah. Oklahoma state really put it on them in the second half. Um, I think this is, this is Vegas is just fading, um, what they've seen so far. Um, Mm -hmm. and and like water finds its level. Fresno state went to, uh, Purdue and beat Purdue week one. Um, they then nearly lost to Eastern Washington. Uh, at home to open the season. That game went to overtime. Um, probably a letdown spot. Um, and then they head into their – they get Kent State at home next week before heading into their conference schedule. Um, and Arizona – like the line here was um, – it, it was – Fresno State obviously was was the underdogs because they were, you know, the, the group of five team. But what Fresno State did going to Purdue is more impressive than – anything Arizona state's done this year and Arizona state is a freshman quarterback and is clearly going through some growing pains uh, with that. So I, I think that's where the line movement has Arizona state as an underdog. Um, I, I understand why the numbers are flooding in on Arizona state. Arizona state does also have USC next week. It's tough to call that a look ahead spot when you're not expected to win that game. Um, but I like, the logic here says that Vegas is right and that this game is going to flip completely on its head. Arizona State's the Power 5 team. Why they're a home underdog, I don't know. But Arizona State should win this game. Um, I'm staying away from it because of what I saw last week with Arizona State. And uh, Fresno State did was not a slouch in that Purdue game. They took every punch Purdue had and gave it right back to them. That was a back-and-forth game the entire way. Um, and got largely overshadowed in the 12 o'clock window by the Deion Sanders win at TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was quite a game. And uh, so Fresno State's not going to be scared going to Arizona State. And I just – it feels like there's the potential here that that Fresno State ends up getting a couple true freshman plays off Jaden Rashada and and makes this a, a, even a touchdown margin or, or possibly more. So I'm staying away from it. If you made me lean it, I would lean it towards Arizona State just because I, I, I agree with the logic of Vegas that, you know, things sort of even out. So I'm actually going to take the over here, 50 and a half. The line hasn't moved. So 
uh, you're not losing any value. Um, I actually lean also Fresno. Um, so looking at the numbers, Fresno might be sneaky good this year as as a G5 team. Um, they have a pretty explosive offense, I've seen. Um, you know, they... They are two and zero, so it's them, Wyoming, and Air Force. Air Force not something to you know bat your eyes at in their conference, but um, you know Fresno State has in two games put up six hundred passing yards, six touchdowns in the air, another three on the ground, um, and like you were saying, you know at any one point Arizona State could just like roll over and die based on what we've seen the past two weeks. Um, so I don't. I don't hate the over here at 50 and a half. My real concern is that Arizona state might not score. If you're taking the over, um, they have not been as effective on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they've done okay on defense as you were talking about, but they kind of collapsed in that second half last week. I personally would, would lean. I I do lean Fresno state on the spread, but I'm going to take the over here and hope that Fresno state can just get the ball rolling and Arizona can just keep pace a little bit. If you're breaking down the numbers, that's 25 points. So really, what, three touchdowns each plus a field goal uh, basically gets you to the number, and then you just need one team to come out and score again. Um, So I'll take Fresno State, Arizona State over um, 930 at night. It'll be a little hot, but uh, hopefully it cools down at night uh, because it's, it's, you know, a 1030 Eastern game, 930 Central. Um, So it should be a fun, like, nightcap for the week. Um, on what is otherwise maybe not a great week, um, but still excited, still uh, still definitely excited for, for this over. Uh, all right, Mike, go ahead and lay down the law on your picks. What do you got? Okay, um, I am going to take uh, – sorry, I'm trying to get these uh, – the overall board back up so I make sure I tell you what – the opponents that I'm taking these teams against, uh, Florida State minus 26 at Boston College. Boston College struggled with Holy Cross at home, um, mm-hmm. and now they get a Florida State juggernaut that dominated Southern Miss despite coming off a loss. Um, Florida State's really good. Boston College is really bad. Minus 26 is too small. Um, take Florida State. I'm also taking Penn State minus 14 uh, at Illinois. Illinois also got smoked by Kansas. Like we mentioned, Jalen Daniels um, is still that dude. And Drew Aller is also that dude. Um, So lay the number here. Um, Penn State should cover this game. Um, If they're legit, they do what good teams do, which is go on the road in conference and destroy um, Illinois. Uh, in the 12 o'clock window, I'm also going to take that Kansas state, Missouri over, uh, 48 and a half. Um, like we talked about that one earlier, uh, moving mm-hmm. to the three thirty window, I'm going to take, um, Georgia minus 27 and a half. We talked about this before we started recording, but this feels like the game every year where this spread is devalued slightly because Georgia hasn't played anybody yet. And everybody expects South Carolina in a rivalry game to give Georgia a contest, and Georgia shows up and absolutely dominates them. I think it happened last year. Um, I can go look up that score while you're giving your picks. But um, Georgia, in very recent years, has absolutely crushed South Carolina. If anybody watched South Carolina's offensive line against North Carolina, 
North Carolina, by the way, zero sacks against um, App State. They had nine against South Carolina. Part of that is the fact that South Carolina's offense puts the ball a lot more on Spencer Rattler than App State's offense does on their quarterback. But they run a lot of motion and option sets and, and generally try to confuse the pass rush a lot more than South Carolina does. But South Carolina's offensive line may also be the worst in the Power Five. Um, they are going to get destroyed by Georgia. Uh, lay the number here. People will be like, the cashier is 54% on South Carolina, despite the fact that South Carolina is on the road. Lay the number here. Don't be scared of it. Georgia wins this game. Should win it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, play play the week. I'll be at the game. North Carolina, um, I saw it open at minus six and a half. I see it now at minus seven and a half. I would take this up to probably 14. Um, UNC minus six and a half uh, is what I have it at, but um, call it seven and a half. North Carolina, Minnesota, everybody watched Colorado play Nebraska and saw that Nebraska had a decent shot to win that game if Jeff Sims wasn't Jeff Sims uh, in the first half and didn't turn the ball over three times in, in 30 minutes. Um, Minnesota needed a last-second field goal to beat that team. And it wasn't like Jeff Sims was a rock star in that game either. Nebraska only scored a touchdown on a trick play that Jeff Sims dropped, then picked up and threw to a guy who was standing in the end zone wide open. And Minnesota had to kick a game-winning field goal as time expired to beat that Nebraska team. This number, this number is so devalued because North Carolina went needed overtime to beat App State. App State always plays North Carolina tough. We talked about that earlier. I don't. Uh, Vegas agrees with me. Ninety-one percent of the tickets are on UNC. Ninety-six percent of the cash. Vegas knows this line is ridiculous. Minnesota's offense is terrible. Minnesota's defensive line is very good. UNC's offensive line is not that great. They still ran the ball for nearly two hundred fifty. I think almost three hundred yards against App State. Um, they will find a way to run the ball. They will get the ball out quick. Drake May is still one of the best quarterbacks in college football, despite the fact that he's not putting up the gaudy stat lines that Shadur and and Quinn Ewers are putting up. If you go back to that game in the fourth quarter, uh, Drake May hit a 50 plus yard pass to uh, JJ Jones that he threw. I think the ball traveled 45 yards in the air and didn't arc. It was one of the most amazing throws I've ever he it was an absolute Joe Milton type rocket down the field. Um <laughs> he is he is still a stud. North Carolina will win this game handily. Um it is my play of the week. Uh the other one in this window, Washington minus 16 and a half. We touched on this. Um I don't think this is a win one for the Gipper sort of situation with Mel Tucker uh playing against Washington. I know this game's at Michigan State. Um Michigan State doesn't have the clout, especially with its history, to say that he's being railroaded or to rally around an interim in this situation. And and Michigan State is just bad. And Washington is very good. There is no reason why this line should be at 16 and a half. Vegas agrees with me. 70% of the tickets on Washington, 92% of the cash. Um, 16 and a half is way too short for a Washington team that has been absolutely dominating people. Take Washington here. Uh, that game kicks at five. Uh, my other picks here, um, Miami of Ohio. I did not tell you about this beforehand because I wanted to see your reaction. I am taking Miami of Ohio uh, plus 14 at Cincinnati. This is a letdown spot game. Um, Cincinnati with a huge road win at Pitt. 
they come home, they get an in-state rival in Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio got up off the mat after getting smoked by Miami in the first game. They won last week. Miami of Ohio will be frisky in this game. I would not be shocked if they win it outright. 89% of the tickets are on Miami of Ohio, 91% of the cash. Miami of Ohio here, I think they stay inside the number. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but they. I think they stay inside the number. Emory Jones is not a great quarterback. Uh, Cincinnati, we thought, would not be a very talented team. Um, and Miami of Ohio has Blaine Gabbert's little brother playing quarterback. This should be uh, one of those that you look up in the 7 o'clock window and say, is Cincinnati going to lose? Um, another long shot I have in this window, Wyoming plus 28 and a half against uh, Texas. 62% of the tickets are on Texas. 99% of the cash is on Wyoming. This is a classic Texas spot. We talked about this at the Open. Texas has to show that they can win games like this. Wyoming already beat Texas Tech. Now, granted, that game was at home, and it's way different going to Laramie. But Wyoming should be able to keep this within four scores. Texas will not be focused on this game at all. They have their Big 12 schedule coming up next week. They prepared all offseason to beat Alabama. They do not care about this game. They will win it by seven. They will win it by 14. They will win it by 17. They don't care. They are not going to win this game by 31 or more points. Uh, Take Wyoming to keep this inside the number. This will be frisky. I also would probably take this on the first half, though I don't know what it is. I'm also sprinkling this, and I mean a very light sprinkle, um, plus 2250 outright, Wyoming. That is such I a large, love it. I such love a it. large number that you have <laughs> to take it. If Texas, like, because it would be the it would be the funniest, most Texas thing ever. It Texas, it would be it would be the Texas most Texas thing ever. Beats Alabama and then loses at home to Wyoming. So you just have to to be on the right side of history. Sprinkle that memes. line. Yeah, it's just crazy. And then my last pick is uh, TCU Houston over sixty four and a half. I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Uh, points, points, points. Houston scores, Dana scores, TCU scores. This will be a classic Big 12 game. 64.5 feels absurdly low for a game like this. I wouldn't be shocked if we look up and this is like 52 to 57. Like this game just gets completely out of control. Um, so, yeah, TCU, Houston over is my life. I love it. I love it. Uh, we So we did talk quite a bit before we recorded this, so there are very similar picks. Uh, so I gave you a – Pitt minus one, Kansas State minus four and a half, Fresno State over 50 and a half, and Arkansas minus eight and a half. Uh, I trailed your UNC minus seven the second you texted me. Uh, I'm also on Georgia minus 27 and a half. I, I just, who is keeping up with Georgia? Uh, I'm also on Wyoming plus 29, and just for that letdown spot for Texas, I will not be sprinkling the money line, but it will be funny if they lose. And I'm also on Washington minus 16 and a half. Uh, my own picks, uh, as well as the ones that we discussed, I'm taking Maryland uh, against Virginia minus 14 and a half. Virginia played JMU very tough last week, but only because they hit two 80-yard bombs uh, for touchdowns. Maryland is a good team that doesn't often get recognition. This line has dropped significantly. I think Virginia is one of the worst teams in football right now in college football. So I'm going to take the 14 and a half points on a Friday night. Um, Maryland. Maryland's at Maryland's at home. Like Maryland, give me Maryland struggled against Cincinnati or sorry, not Cincinnati against Charlotte in the first half. That's also why this number is down where it is. Uh, I like this pick a lot. 
yeah, I, I, I think Maryland plays teams like this really tough. And the opportunity to beat up on Virginia, they're not going to – I don't think they're going to pay it, pass that up. Uh, next pick, UAB minus 2.5 at home against the Raging Cajuns. Uh, this is more of a gut pick and a system play. The 96% of the money with only 50%, 48% of the bet slips is on UAB. Um, on paper, they're just a better passing team, pretty explosive offense. Uh, struggle in the run game a little bit. Don't turn the ball over though. Great red zone efficiency. Great first third down efficiency. So give me UAB. Uh, I think they're just a better offense. That's all that is. Um, I, it really has nothing to do with uh, in-depth evaluation. I just think they have a better offense. And if I'm going to be shown uh, that 95% plus of the money is on a team, then give me that team. Uh, next pick, TCU Houston. I have plus seven and a half for Houston. I think TCU is in a rough spot. I think they're very much in a letdown season after last year. Uh, I think Houston losing to Rice outright might reinvigorate them just a little bit. And I don't like that 80% of the bet slips are on TCU, but 55% of the money is on Houston. So some sharp knows something. I concur with that. I am going to go with Houston here, plus seven and a half uh, at home. I just... In-state rivalry, give me give me the team laying the points after a bad loss uh, against a team that is in a letdown season. Um, you know, especially in that kind of spot where you ha- were at such a high high last year to have your soul crushed in the national championship game. I think TCU's in for a rough couple weeks. Uh, so give me Houston plus seven and a half. I don't think they went out right, but I'll take them. And then finally, Tulane minus twelve and a half at Southern Miss. Uh, obviously biased here. But if you saw, if you actually watched that football game between uh, Tulane and Ole Miss, uh, Tulane beat the shit out of Ole Miss for two quarters and then kind of fell off a cliff because they couldn't establish the passing game because their star quarterback, who will get drafted to the NFL come next year, uh, wasn't starting altogether. Um, If you looked at how the front seven of Tulane played on defense and how their O-line played. I mean, I was significantly impressed with how good Tulane looked. I think you'll see Tulane in another New Year's Six Bowl this year. That's my big prediction for this episode. Um, Obviously bias, but give me them 12 and a half against Southern Miss, who's played them tough in the past, and I think that invigorates Tulane to just come in and whoop the crap out of them after tasting... tasting victory against uh, an SEC team only to have it stripped away. Um, So those are my picks for the week. That's been our show. Thank you for watching. Like and subscribe and make sure to tune in for our NFL show. We do the same thing. Break down all the games for the NFL week. Uh, That and more. Tune in. Thanks for watching. Have a good day.